We are in part three of this series, um, Behind Family Lines, um, and today we are going to talk about um, what is probably the one thing that almost all families have in common, and that is this, conflict. Can I get an amen? amen. Yes, if you are part of a family, you have experienced family conflict because we all fuss and fight with each other. Um, it's just it's just part of the package. You can't get away from it. And the thing that we all eventually discover um, within this dynamic is that when you win an argument with your family, you don't really win. Anybody ever experienced that? You may win the argument, right? You ever notice that like, if you win an argument in a courtroom, it's like, yes, that's great. Sometimes maybe uh, at work, um, it can really turn out well if you're the one that wins the argument. Um, in a class, if you establish an argument and you win it, good for you. But if you win an argument in your living room um, or in your bedroom, the, there is not much winning to be had. Because when it comes to family, if we're all honest, conflict is never actually really resolved. Um, we may put it down for a minute. Uh, we may forget about it for a minute, but it's never really actually solved. And conflict in family is like conflict nowhere else. It's a different kind of conflict. There's a, there's a different dynamic to it. Um, and it's complicated and it's emotional and it seems to go on and on and on. And part of what makes it so complicated within the family dynamic is that as individuals, we don't all process and handle conflict the same way. There's not a universal human conflict resolution path. Um, and so we all handle it in different ways. There's a lot of different processes to managing conflict. Some of you are this, some of you are peacemakers. Any, any peacemakers in the room, you think? Yeah, 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 you peacemakers, you're the ones that don't even argue right? Something gets brought up, some kind of tension, somebody's upset with somebody. It doesn't even have to necessarily be you, right? But you're not going to argue. You're just like, okay, whatever, whatever, whatever. Is everybody okay? Like, does anybody need any? Can we, is everybody all right? And if you've ever had tried to have an argument with a peacemaker, if you're not a peacemaker, how frustrating is that? Because they don't engage, Right? Peacemakers are like, no, 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 I don't want to argue. We're going to just, you know, let, let, let's settle everything. Let's get everybody back on a good terms. And you can't get them to engage. And so it, it can be kind of difficult, right? They won't push back. And whatever you say to them, they're just like, okay, fine, fine, fine. But let's just, let's just settle it, right? And you know they aren't telling you the truth. It's not really fine, Right? They just want to make peace. Some of, some of you, some of you may be this, and I'm not gonna make you raise your hand, but some of you may be sulkers, right? When it comes to conflict, you're sulkers, right? You, 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 just, you just shut down, right? And you just kind of don't respond and separate yourself, right? You're just sullen and removed and you're not really gonna engage about it until somebody figures out exactly why you're this way and what they've got to do to fix it. You just kind of sulk about it. Another way to handle conflict is this. Some of you are stuffers, right? By stuffers, I mean this. Some of you are stuffers because like you, there's something going on and you've got it stuffed in there, right? And somebody's like, hey, is everything okay? Yes, it's fine. <laughs> oh, are you sure? Because it doesn't, yes, I'm fine. And everybody knows 
that the word fine never means fine, right? It means I'm not gonna talk about it. Well, why don't you tell me what's wrong? Nothing is wrong, it's fine. And if you ask me again, we're gonna have issues, right? These are the stuffers. This is how you handle conflict. Um, some of you are litigators. Any litigators in the room? <laughs> yeah, like you're the best arguers. Like you win every argument because you are arguing so well, right? And you can just, you can, even if you're wrong, you can out argue the person to win the argument. And, 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 and if I were to, if I were to ask you, if I were to say, you're never wrong, are you? To you litigators. You know, you would as humbly as you possibly could be, you would say, well, no, actually I am never wrong. Right? This is it. Right, right, right. And then you would follow up. You would follow up. Listen, it's not that I can't admit when I'm wrong. I'm just very rarely ever wrong. And this is why some of you feel so confident in arguing your position so well, because you're so convinced of your own rightness that you know you can't lose the argument because right always wins, right? Um, but, but litigators, you know, if you're a litigator, you've won a lot of arguments and not won them. There was no victory, right? And winning an argument, that like works like, um, you know, at work or with the little league umpire that won't call the balls and strikes right. Like you can, I mean, that works in that dynamic, but winning an argument at home, getting to the point where everybody else just kind of throws in the towel. I was like, yeah, okay. And, and of course they would, because you had like charts and statistics and a PowerPoint presentation and you called witnesses and, you know, you had like transcripts from previous arguments and, you, you know, you just, um, some of you can keep transcripts of previous arguments in your head. Just like, I honestly can't even remember the sentence I opened this sermon with, but you guys, some of you can remember conversations that you've had for years and years and years and years and years and you're right and everybody else was wrong. And then the whole thing is over but it's still not really over, is it? Then there's another kind, the screamer, the yeller. Those who are like, okay, conflict time, pff, voice up, let's do this, right? And they don't even need a primer, the yeller. I mean, you can go from like zero, everything's cool to all of a sudden we are through the roof, like dogs are barking, you know, kids are running to the room, this kind of, we have this, right? You just all have to yell. And, and you know what's interesting about this is, is if, that, if you came from a family of yellers, if you came from a family of screamers, like you probably, odds are, you probably married or moved in with somebody who wasn't, who's one of these other types, right? And then when the first conf conflict comes up, you know, you come from a family where everybody's like, okay, well, we just put it out there and we deal with it. And, rah, 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 and you know, the other person may be a stuffer or a peacemaker or whatever. And you come out and you just, you know, you get in a new situation and you just yell and the people are like, whoa. And their response is either, A, they're on the floor in a puddle of tears because you just crushed them. Or B, like they're looking at you like, oh, devil come out. I don't know what just happened to you. I didn't even know this was possible, right? 
because they came from a family that didn't react like that. And your words in those, moment, in, in those moments like weighed like a thousand pounds and you just crushed them with them. And they wouldn't argue back, you know, and they, they wouldn't try and explain why you shouldn't yell. You know, and you tried to explain, well, we got to get everything out. We can't just stuff it. And there was no winner. There was no victory to be had in that moment. But it's, concept, it, it's complicated. And there's always, always conflict. Now, today I want to talk about a principle that if families could grab a hold of this, um, and this combined with what we talked about last week, um, which a lot of you need to go back and listen to the podcast of last week because we've got a, a singular question um, that is extremely important um, to helping families be the more of the ideal family. But this principle would make all the difference in the world if we could grab a hold of it. All the difference. And what, what we're going to discover is that there's only really one source to conflict within our families. Only one source. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to kind of expose the source and open it up so that we can look at it and spend some time on it. And if you look at it long enough, and if you can acknowledge um, your part of it that you own and recognize it within you, you'll be able to make conflict, you make progress with conflict in your family, especially, especially if everybody in the family is doing this. Now, I know that is super idealistic to think that everybody in a family is gonna be on the same page of anything. I get it. And last week we talked about there's the ideal, then there's the real, and there's a gap between those two things. But the ideal that we never, we, we never should stop striving for, if everybody can get together on this, it'll make a world of difference. If you have your Bibles, we're gonna be in James chapter four. Now, this, is, this can kind of be some big stuff. Some of you are gonna push back and argue with me really loud in your head um, throughout this whole message, that's okay. Um, these aren't my ideas. A, I'm not smart enough to have these kind of ideas. Um, B, I'm not old enough to have mastered these ideas yet. So it will be very easy for anyone to point at me and be like, but you, and I admit ahead of time, yes, but me, um, I'm still working on this as well. But if we can begin to understand these ideas and put them into practice, we will make huge, huge progress. In, in conflict with our family. So here it is, James chapter four, beginning in verse one. He starts out with a very practical question. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Which is a great place to start because if we're gonna resolve conflict within our family, we should know what's causing it, right? But this is one of those questions that when you read it, like it, it, it seems like so broad and so wide that you're like, oh my goodness, there are so many answers to this question. Like how many of you, when you see this, what causes fights and quarrels among you? You're like, well, do you want the book series or do you want me to take six hours to sit and tell you about it? Like if you want to hear everything, right? I mean, there's a lot of things, James. You get a family in a room and you ask what causes the fights and quarrels among you. James, there's going to be as many answers as there are people. They'll all be different. To which James is going to tell us, no, no, there's not. You don't understand the source of conflict, which is why you can't resolve the conflict within your families. And then he dives in. 
He says, they, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? In other words, don't they ultimately, these conflicts, don't they come from something inside of you? Something that is happening. And, and see, I, I, I wanna respond to that with, well, no, James, they don't. They come from what they're doing. They come from something inside of them. And if they would do it right, and if they weren't messing things up, we wouldn't have this conflict in this moment. So James, I'm not real sure you're gonna have to convince me. But James says, no, it's not the other person. And if you've spent any time at tapestry, you know I'm not gonna let you get away with pointing at the other person. We point everything at ourselves. He says, no, the core of every conflict is something inside of you. You have a desire inside of you. And with every single conflict that exists within the family dy dynamic, that desire is spilling out onto other people. That desire is affecting the way that you are interacting. And there's a conflict within you that creates the conflict outside of you. Now, if we just stopped right there with just that one idea, and I was like, okay, this is a simple idea, but all of you just meditate on that. Let's spend a few minutes thinking about it, take some ownership of that and let's go. Like, it would be a productive morning if we were able to grab a hold of that. But if we did that, here's what would happen. If we recognize that within the conflicts that it was coming from, there's something inside of me, and I took ownership of that piece, what would happen is that immediately the temperature of the room, that is the, the level of tenseness, the edge that everybody is sitting on would immediately come down. Because when you take a moment and think, oh, part of it, if not most of it is me, then the aggression in that conflict begins to retreat. Now, he goes on. He says, don't they come from desires that battle within you? Well, what is that? You desire, but do not have. In other words, every time there's a conflict, there is something that you want that you don't currently have. Even in the conflicts that come up over and over and over and over again in families. At the root of it is there is something that somebody within the conflict wants that they are not getting. Now, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know. I can feel some of the pushback. I, I, I understand some of the things that are going to be going through people's minds. Like, no, 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 no. No, Andy, it's not just something I want. Like, that's just, that's trivializing it. No, within the things that, it's something I deserve. It, it, it's something that is the basic requirement of relationship. It's something, it's something that they promised they would do or be. To which I say, okay, hold on. We're gonna get there. But the point is, every time there's a conflict, there's something that you want that you don't have. And then he says this, so you kill. <laughs> to which you're like, what? No, <laughs> no. James, I've been around a long time. Never have I killed, right? I've wanted to kill. Can I get an amen? 
But no, James, I've never killed. Now listen, he is talking to people in a church. He is not talking to people in prison on death row. This is, this is hyperbole that he is using within this context. But it's extraordinary, extraordinarily relevant as we think about what happens within families. And that is this, is that sometimes there are things that you want so bad, that you think you need so bad, that you are willing to hurt people close to you in order to get it. You're willing to step over people or on people close to you to get it. And when you want something from someone, whether that be a husband or a wife or a son or a daughter or a parent, you know, any family member, when you want something, if you want it bad enough, you begin to lose perspective of the principle that we're talking about. And in your desire to get from them that thing that you want to get from them or out of them so that you can feel better or prouder or happier or more secure or accepted or more fulfilled, whatever it is that you're trying to get out of that relationship, we have the potential in our desire that wars within us to destroy other people to get it is a scary thought, but you've seen it time and time again. You have seen this played out in family relationships. Some of you, unfortunately, may be in the middle of that process right now with members of your family, where people are trying to get things that they think they need from other people. And, and, and here's, how, here's how we defend this. And here's how we phrase it to kind of justify it to ourselves a lot. Uh, we're trying to get them to do something for us, but we phrase it like, yeah, but I just want the best for them. Anybody ever? I just, I just want them to be better. I want them to reach their potential, right? I, I, I just want that. But you lie to yourself because so many times it's not really about them. It's about you and how they're reflecting on you and how people look at you based on them and what you're getting from them. And if that's enough to be whatever it is that you need and you want something, but you aren't getting it. And so you'll use words and you'll use actions to get it. Now imagine what would happen within so many homes if we just owned this one idea that we are trying to get from others something that we think we need. He keeps going. He says, you covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and you fight. And we're right back to where we started. James, 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 James. Why don't we just, why don't we, why don't we get along in our family? Well, it's because each of you wants something from each other and you're trying to go about getting it from each other and you can't because newsflash, there are some things that other people, no matter how bad you want them to provide something for it, there are things that people cannot provide for you no matter how much you squeeze, no matter how much you push, no matter how much you manipulate, it just can't happen. So here, here's what I want us to do. I want, I want us to pause the, the passage for just a minute. I want us to look at a, a piece of application, then we'll come back and pick up 
the end of the, of the passage. But if in the middle of a conflict, right, if as that conflict is beginning to escalate and you can feel yourself starting to one-up each other and, and, and raise the tension, or maybe even before, this would be even better, if before the conflict even begins, you can pause, if you can pause and take a deep breath and recognize just for a moment, part, I'm not even have to say, I'm not even saying you have to take all of it, but part of what I'm feeling right now is that I am not getting something that I want. Part of what I'm feeling right now is that I'm not getting something I want. If you can pause and take a breath and just get that idea into your head before you start the conflict, it's a game changer. If you, if you could look at, if the, if the argument's already going and you can realize it and all of a sudden in the middle of the argument, just pause and say, wait, 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 wait. You know what part of the problem is right now? Part of the problem is, is that I'm not getting what I want. Imagine how somebody in an argument would react to that. Like imagine such a moment of, of self-realization and understanding in that moment when they're trying to fight their, wait, you just admitted? Part of this is about you not getting things that you want? And what if, what if it went even further than that? What if the person then responded with, well, I'll tell you what, the other part of the problem is, is that I've got something that I want that I'm not getting either. I mean, imagine the difference in the tone that would take. And every once in a while, um, I'm foolish enough to think I can do marriage counseling, <laughs> um, which really is funny on, on, on its own. But it, as I've done it, I've realized something. There are no marriage problems. See, we think we have marriage problems, but, but there are no marriage problems. What there are are single problems that got married. <laughs> and, and see, he, here's, here's how that goes, because life before you were married seemed easier, right? And you're like, man, marriage, there's just so many problems in marriage, and it's just tough, and you got to work through it. But like before, uh, it was easy. Well, here's the reason that it was easy. The reason that it was easy is because when you were single, you could change jobs, change apartments, change cities, change cars, change hair, change clothes, whatever you wanted to do. Anything that you just wanted to change and wanted to do, anything you wanted, you could do. And you could try and change everything just all the time until you got it the way you wanted it to be. And then you get married and you go to want to start changing things. All of a sudden you're stuck and you're like, uh-oh, right? And then because things don't seem so easy and it's sudden you're having to work through things and it's complicated, you're like, well, psh, it wasn't this complicated when I was single. It must be them. They must be the issue. I was fine until they came along. And you lay the source of the issue at the feet of the other person. I mean, it's a pattern that just repeats over and over and over again in marriages. And, and here's why we do this, because the moment, the, uh, the moment we own part of the problem, as opposed to start 
putting the problem on the other person. The moment we begin to own part of the problem, we lose leverage, right? The moment we say, okay, part of this is my fault, all leverage, all the, the, the leverage that you have to win the argument disappears because you've admitted, okay, I'm partly at fault. You, you lose. You lose the ability to argue. You lose the ability to convince the other person. You, 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 you think you lose. But as we said earlier, even if you win an argument in family, there's not really a win. In fact, I, I've kind of heard it said like this, that, that the best defense in a, an argument is no defense. Don't necessarily just defend and t- say why the other person's wrong. And what. Take a moment. Is it part of me? And the reason we have a hard time owning our part is because we lose leverage. And James is like, yeah, but if everyone in the family would own their part, there wouldn't be a need for leverage. If everybody was able to take that moment and understand, I've got it, there would be far less conflict. And if we owned our parts, that means not just do we lose leverage to win the argument, but if we owned a part, that means we would have to start focusing on our part. See, because it's easy to focus on the other person's part and try and get them and push them to change and give and do and whatever it is. But if we owned our part, we have to focus on our part. And I don't like focusing on my part. Because when I focus on my part, uh, it's difficult. I have to change. I have to admit I was wrong. I have to realize some things about me. So instead, I'm gonna blame you. You never, you should, you promised, you, 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 you. And I feel empowered when the problem is you. But the minute it's me, the minute the problem's me, I'm not empowered anymore. So when you're willing to pause and acknowledge that at least part of the problem is I want something from this other person and I'm not getting it, it's powerful. It can change things. And then suddenly you spend more time looking in the mirror than you do at the other person. Back to the passage, he says, you do not have, that is the thing that you want that you're looking for, that you're trying to get from another person. You do not have because you do not ask God. Now this is huge. In other words, instead of stopping in the middle of the argument and saying, hey, part of the problem is I'm not getting what I want. Did it ever occur to you to perhaps, before you went storming down the hall and slammed the door, right? Before you fired off that text, with the angry face emojis, right? Before you wrote that note, stuck to the mirror with the frowny face and thought, enjoy that when you wake up, have a good morning. You know, before all of that, it occurred to you to maybe, 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 maybe get on your knees, say, God, whatever it is, whatever issue you're struggling with, God, I want my teenager to pick better friends, Right? God, I want my husband to make more money. I want, I want my daughter to break up with that weirdo. Oh, and I know I'm not supposed to say weirdo. You created him, but maybe you weren't paying attention on that day and messed up a little. I don't know, God, but why is my daughter with them? You know, I want my parents to accept me, to stop criticizing. 
Whatever it is that you want or think you need from the other person, before you go extracting something from someone else for your benefit, has it occurred to you to pour out your heart before God about what it is that you want that you aren't getting? And for most people, that's just a no. But for some people, it's a, yeah, I have done that and it didn't work. And I'm like, mm, yeah, because a lot of times God just says, yeah, I see what you want and no, no. We're, we're, we're not gonna do that. And you know, and, and, and ah, we get it there. And we get angry. But James says, mm, why don't you, why don't you, instead of trying to get something from somebody who can't give you that something, why don't you try to go to God? And when you start bringing this stuff to God, the part of the issue is that the focus on you seems to get bigger when you go to God. And it's weird how that works. Like the issue you go to God and you're like, I have this issue with them, 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 them. And the more you spend time in prayer, the them, 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 them gets littler and the you, 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 you gets bigger. And you begin to focus much more on yourself. And when that happens, it's kind of a pain when it's happening and you hate it. And you don't want it to go that way, but here's what happens. Here's the result. Conversations with family begin to go smoother right? Because you begin knowing that part of the issue is you not getting what you want and part of what I want, you don't even have to give me. And so, uh, and, I've been, and I've been trying to wring this thing out of you and it's not really you and it's me and it just keeps going. And we really don't like this part. James says this in verse three. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasure. And here's what James is saying within this passage. Christ followers, if you will take a deep breath and really gra grapple with this idea of what you want, God will choose many times to not mess you up by giving you what you want. Because he knows if you get exactly what you want all the time, you are going to be messed up. And at that point, that's when you go back to God and you're like, okay, okay, well, well, they're not going to be able to give me what I want. You know, she doesn't have it in her to give me that. He's not gonna turn out like I want him to turn out. My kids, some of the things we do to kids, trying to get something from them, it's really difficult and it's tough. But, but can you take it to God and can you take no for an answer and have you owned your part and then perhaps, maybe, 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 begin to start the conversations at a different place. Now, here's the question. This is the question we're going to wrap up with today. Who in your family is suffering because you are not getting your way? That's a tough question. Who is the one feeling pressure to change for you? Who's the one feeling the pressure to behave? Who's the one feeling the pressure to start something or stop something? Who is feeling that pressure? And here's kind of really what it comes down to that we really don't want to admit to ourselves. Who is feeling the pressure to make you happy? And we rationalize it well. 
making us and them think it's about them, but it's really about us. But who's suffering because you're not getting your way? Who's suffering under the weight of trying to make you happy and never being able to succeed and it's not really their issue? And what could you do? Here's the follow-up. What could you do today to begin to relieve that pressure? What conversation can you have? What phone call can you make? What email could you send to begin to relieve the pressure that you have put on someone else for your happiness? So you know why you quarrel and you fight with your family? Because there's something that you want that you're not getting. And the reason they quarrel and fight with you is because there's something that they want that they aren't getting. But in the ideal world and in the ideal family, which we will never fully live up to, there's a pause in the conversation. Before I address this issue, because make no mistake about it, there are issues that need addressed. I'm not saying don't address issues. But before I confront them, because there are things in families that need confronted, God, I want to recognize what it is that I want. And I want to deal with the I want part before I take it to them. So God, do in me what you need to do before I try to squeeze other people to get something that they were never intended to give, something that was intended to come from you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I I thank you for these words that we have preserved that bring us so much guidance and wisdom. Lord, I pray for all of us in this room is inevitably we have to deal with family dynamics that can get pretty tough and conflict is a part that can't be avoided. Lord, I pray that you begin us down the path of being able to recognize and understand the source of our conflict. And by understanding the source, we don't waste time and we don't waste energy and we don't cause damage by chasing all of the peripheral things that we place the blame on when really it is a desire inside of us. Lord, I pray that you're able to help us to recognize our peace and begin to deal with our peace so that we can lead our families to ones that may be full of conflict, to families that live at peace and honor and respect each other and are true reflections of you. Lord, I thank you for your mercy and for your grace. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being out this morning. Be with us next week as we continue on talking about being behind family lines. It's a beautiful-